Welcome to a talk from St. Saviour's Sunbury. We hope it blesses you. Um, I now have the great pleasure and privilege of welcoming my friend uh, and Tier Fund Country Director Gaston to the stage. Um, Gaston, if you'd like to come up and join me. Let's give to There we go. Give Gaston a suitable St. Saviour's welcome. Welcome, brother. Um, this, I, I, I'm really, I'm, <laughs> you may not know this, but I'm quite a smiley person anyway. Um, my smile is, is tenfold uh, when I get to spend time with this man. Uh, it's a pleasure um, to be able to call him a friend as well as a colleague. Um, Gaston has made a, a significant trip to come and join us here today, and it's a great pleasure to have you with us here this morning, Gaston. So, so welcome uh, from St. Saviour's and from me as well. Uh, thank you very much, Matt. Hello to everyone. What a huge privilege for me to be in your midst this morning. Thank you to St. Saviour for giving me the opportunity and for welcoming me in your midst. I'm full of joy. Excellent. Let's take a seat. We're going to try and make it as comfortable and welcoming as we can, so I'm going to let Gaston sit down. Um, this morning, I, um, I have a double hat, a double role whatever the appropriate term is. Um, so if you weren't aware, um, not only do I have the great blessing of spending time here with you at St. Saviour's, um, but I am also uh, an employee of Tier Fund, so I get the great honour uh, to work with Gaston. Um, I've spoken before at St. Saviour's about uh, Tier Fund and the work that they do, um, and indeed, only a couple of years ago, we as a church very generously supported an appeal that we had in Central African Republic, um, an appeal that still goes on. Um, if you remember, it was a, a UK aid match appeal, um, working with um, individuals that were suffering in the Central African Republic um, through some really difficult things that are hard to talk about um, around gender-based violence, um, issues of masculinity, and situations that were affecting homes and broken relationships. Um, the British government still funds that. Um, if you were here when we were talking before, I'm not sure I ever updated on this, but we, we'd appealed as Tear Fund, we'd appealed for, for £2 million, a fantastic and significant amount of money that the UK government said that they would share and they would match. And we don't, we don't credit the British government very often, not in the last couple of years anyway, but the British government, through the Department for International Development, shout out DFID, um, matched that money that was raised. But we were challenged by a tier fund supporter, just like you and I. We were challenged saying, why are you only asking for two million when DFID said that they would match up to five million pounds? Now, two years ago, our CEO, Nigel, great man, but he was stopped in his tracks. And they're like, why? Well, I don't know why. If God is generous and God can do immeasurably more than we could hope and imagine, then why aren't we asking for as much as possible? And I'm amazingly proud to say that two years ago, with our aid match appeal for Central African Republic, we not only met five million, we exceeded five million. And we, the, the government, yeah. And that continues to bless people within the Central African Republic. And that was partially down to the contribution and the support of St. Saviour. So the clapping that we're doing is clapping for us as well as for him and for the work that we do. This morning, however, we're going to talk a little bit around what's going on within uh, West Africa. 
Um, so you'll be able to see on your, on your seats, we left a card which has a story about a lady called Ruth. We're also going to talk a little bit around um, what Gaston is doing in West Africa as well. But before we get into that, you're all very bored of hearing from me. I know I am. Um, so I'd like to get Gaston to speak a little bit about who is Gaston Slanwa? Um, what, is your, what is your history? What's your walk with God? And uh, what, what excites you in your work, maybe? Uh, thank you, Matt. The name is Gaston Slanwa, originally from northern Cameroon. I'm currently the country director for Liberia and Sierra Leone. Interesting, uh, interestingly, I am transitioning into uh, going to head the tier fund work in Burkina Faso and Niger. Um, I'm married to Elizabeth, my wife, and we have four kids, two daughters and two boys. The ages are 26, 23, and the boys are 18 and 12. So I want maybe to mention that uh, some of you might be given to TFund for years back. I'm actually a product of God working through TFund. Back in the 90s in the secondary school in Northern Cameroon, we used to receive this uh, food step called in French, Pazapa. And we used to share it around. And being a young Christian at that time, I was very passionate about reading it. And one day I found myself praying and saying, God, please, in the future, help me to be like one of those Christians that are working on transforming their communities positively, like the people I'm reading about, about in uh, uh, Footsteps. Little did I know that God heard that. <laughs> and here I find myself now running here and there in West Africa. I've done some work for seven years in Niger. I moved to Sierra Leone for a year and a half. And then I've been spent a year in Liberia. And I'm heading to uh, Burkina Faso. Very passionate about uh, doing community transformation, mostly through Bible studies. That is what I should say for now. Thank you so much, Gaston. There's so many things I'd like to respond, but for one, it's like, Gaston has a child, he's 26. How great does this man look? I feel, I feel I look older than you, and I've only just got to a child that's eight years old. I'm so tired, Gaston. Four children, impressive. Um, so, and so we talk about Footsteps. So Footsteps is a magazine, right? Is that, that's correct. So Footsteps is a magazine that's been running for some time. Um, so Footsteps is a quarterly magazine which Tearfund puts together, which in itself has been running for, I believe, over 100 uh, editions now. We celebrated 100 editions last year. Um, Tearfund does a lot of celebrating. Um, we work in some very hard places, and I think some of the time you need to celebrate to offset that a little bit. But around about a year and a half ago, Tearfund celebrated its 50th anniversary. It celebrated its jubilee. Um, we've been working since... Uh, 1968, I should know the maths on that, but since 1968. Um, it came about through a call from the Evangelical, the Evangelical Alliance. I don't know how many of you uh, were around in 68. I wasn't. I'm not going to look at anyone in particular to judge you on your age. Um, but at that time, it wasn't like it is now. Right now, if we want to find out about development and poverty, if we want to know about difficult things that are happening in the world, we don't even need to turn our television on. We have it directly into our phone. It's almost into our peripheral awareness. And that's great, and it, it helps us to be able to empathize and understand with situations such as the terrible fires that we have in, in Australia right now. 
the heartbreaking situation of, of the, the people of Iraq who were innocent bystanders in, a, in a, a war that is not of their creation, and of the numerous countries across Africa where poverty still reigns strong. But if we go back 50 years, the situation was quite different, and what we'd see then would be people gathering around a, a small box in the corner. Anyone can remember like these small boxes? I'm sure Jim would be able to. Um, but so you'd, you'd turn your television on and it would take five to ten minutes to warm up. Imagine that, youth, having to wait five to ten minutes for something to turn up. That's yes, three times your attention span. You'd forget the TV was even there before it turned on. I'm being rude, I'm sorry. But during that time, the church was, the church was seeing images of a crisis in Nigeria, the Biafra crisis, where there were communities, whole communities were, were moved from their homes not to be able to return. And the church itself cried out. The church itself cried out and said, what can we do? And it was from that that Tear Fund was formed. Tear Fund is actually an acronym, um, well, half an acronym. <laughs> we were lazy. Um, it stands for The Evangelical Alliance Relief Fund. And it came about because of the church wanting to move, the church wanting to do something, the church wanting to act and give to support others who they could see were not as well off as them. Fifty years on, Tiffan now works in 50 countries and has affected the lives of millions of people. Thanks to the work of Gaston and many others, we continue to do positive work. There is still a lot of work to do, and some of the time it is hard and some of the time it is difficult. But over the last 20 years, the World Bank tells us that those people that are suffering from poverty have gone down in number by 50%. 20 years. For many of us, that is within our lifetime. And I think some of the time it's really hard to get bogged down in the difficulty. And yes, we should absolutely be praying for those that are still in poverty. I'm definitely not suggesting otherwise. But some of the time, we really should be celebrating the good things that are happening. People suffering in poverty has gone down by 50% in just the last two decades. That's something that we can give praise for, and that's something that we can give thanks for. Yeah! That does, however, mean that there are still a billion people suffering from poverty. There are seven people, seven billion people in this world. One in seven of us, one in seven of us is suffering from poverty. Because as we read in Romans 6, we are one body. If our left hand hurts, the rest of the body knows about it. If we have pain in our right leg, the rest of the body knows about it. So I'd like to hear from, from Gaston, um, what, what does it look like in West Africa? What does poverty look like? What does hope look like? Um, how are people working through coming out of extreme poverty? How are we seeing stories of transformation? Um, what is it that, that your day-to-day -day looks like? Uh, thank you. I am so carried away by our mission, which says, following Jesus Christ where the need is greatest. Some of you who might, through uh, the media, are a little bit connected to West Africa, you might have come now to know that there are so many, so many challenges going on. High level of insecurity, 
but even people struggling with the basics. And because of what we believe in, we try to go to where the needs are, very, are greatest. I will maybe just mention what I know a bit in uh, Liberia and Sierra Leone, where I've been in for the last three years. There are really a lot, a lot, a lot of things going on. We, had a we have a strategy as TFN, and some of the key issues that have come out are the basic things that people are, are struggling about. Basics like having access to safe water. Many, 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 many communities. In Liberia and Sierra Leone, we are focusing on what we call WASH, because many are dying just out of waterborne diseases. They just can't have access to clean water. Many are struggling with having good access to food, to education. Many families wish they can see their children have access to good education and have a future. Many are struggling with health. Malaria is still killing many, and many having, not having chance to have access to basic health facility where they can easily treat malaria. Shelter, and I can go on. Liberia and Sierra Leone, uh, sexual and gender-based violence is very high, and uh, FGM is very high, and also disasters. If you know the history of the two countries, some of the communities facing this and having an heritage of 10 years civil war, then you might have heard about the Ebola virus disease. In a place like Sierra Leone, we've been dealing now with also a disaster like the flood and the mudslide that happened in 2017 and flood again in 2019. Uh, last August, we're still struggling with. So it is all about that, but also about broken relationship, people lacking peace because of not good relationship with uh, God, and also things that are coming through uh, um, bad governance and all that we can think about that the enemy is using to put op oppression on people. I can give you a list, but these are the ones that we are like, kind of dealing with on the daily basis with communities we are working with doing tf and work. Thank you, Gaston. I think if we go on to the next slide, for those of us that are less familiar, um, just so we can get an, an overview, yes. could you show us a little bit about our, a geography lesson, if you will? Yes, you might wonder where maybe Liberia is, because trying to connect with the passage we read, I will share a bit about the story of uh, a community, and specifically with one of the beneficiaries that God has really transformed that I want to really share. And uh, it is in Liberia. If you are not sure where Liberia is in Africa, you have the map of Africa up there, and you have uh, Liberia in red there. And uh, we, you might, maybe we show also the Liberia map. And the story I'm going to share is in Bon uh, County. This is what you see in blue there is uh, an arrow showing the county where the transformation is happening. There are so many places and so many exciting stories of transformation going on. But uh, linking especially with the passage that we read, I 
want to uh, emphasize especially on the bone mine community in Liberia, where we can see a very great uh, similarities with what, we, with what we have just read, where we see a situation of people coming to Jesus with a lot of problems, with a lot of issues, to the extent that Jesus and the disciples did not even have time to just catch a lunch. They didn't have that time. And when Christ, Jesus noticed that, he told the disciple what? Let's move away so that we can have some rest. And the people quickly figured out where they were going and they ran ahead. And they reached there. When, they, when Jesus and the disciples reached, what did they see? A crowd. I like how Matthew puts it. Matthew says, Jesus had compassion on them and healed their sick. That means people were running with, uh, after Jesus Christ because they had issues, because they had problems. In this case, sickness is mentioned. They sat there and they listened to Jesus and it was getting late. Another issue came up, no food. Common issues that we see in the communities we are dealing with. People are sick with basic sicknesses that have been, many of them eradicated here in the West, which people are still dying of in that part of the world and in some of the communities. Some progress have been made, but there are still very, very many thousands of villages where this has still happened. And in, interestingly in Tefan, because we believe we want to follow Jesus Christ where the need is greatest, we go to isolated communities where hardly do we see government and even other NGOs or NGOs going there. And there we see the reality of people dying of literally very basic things that can be treated within a few hours in other parts of the world. So this is, I can see a great connection within this passage. And this passage that was read is one of the Bible studies that we use in our program. We try to do development through Bible studies. And we train churches, we train pastors who are working in communities to organize Bible studies to transform their situation. And interestingly, this is really bringing very, very great and amazing results. This Bible study was used in Bong Mine community, and people came together, and the Bible, uh, the pastor doing the facilitation said, what are our own needs? Look at the people. The needs were outlined there. Can, you, can, you, can we outline our own needs? And people will come up. Oh, how I wish I can send my child to school. We don't have enough food in the house. Oh, we have no good shelter. Oh, we lack road. We lack this, we lack that. And people went, came up with lists and lists and lists of the needs. Interestingly, some families came out and said, we have some of our people and friends and children given, be, given over to drugs. And that's where the history or the story of Morris comes in. Morris and his friend were almost outcast. They were living almost on drug and living uh, almost a kilometer away from the community in a cave, about eight of them. But because the Bible studies are opened, it starts within the church, community members are invited, and people sit down and read the Bible stories and try to connect with their situation and try to find out 
solutions. The pastor decided to go and say, these guys are members of our community, even though we see them as evil guys, because they come at night to steal. If they find some farms around, that is when they sneak at night and try to harvest some crops to have food. And people think that they are very dangerous because, of course, they live on drugs. People are afraid of them. The pastor went there one day and sit, sat with them and said, we are doing this. Please, can you join the Bible study? And Morris decided to come to the Bible study. And interestingly, when this Bible study was taking place, this very one, on Jesus feeding 5,000 people, the same basic questions were asked. Maurice, what are your own needs? And then he said, I have no hope. Of course, you all know me. I am finished. I have no hope for now. You all know me. I'm a thief. I don't have way to stay. My family members have rejected me. And life has no sense for me. And of course, you won't think of him putting on some good clothes like how I look so, so well-dressed this morning. You won't think of him having good food. You can't think of him having even good water or anything. And the pastor once up went up just in the same way that Jesus Christ now, the issues, he focused on the issues like many other members, like the disciples here. It's night. It's getting late. We don't have food. We don't have the money to go and buy it. Can you release the people? Jesus challenged the disciples and said, you give them food. And they said, of course. Reason, how, how can we do that? The people are so many, we don't have money, we don't have, we don't have food. Release them to go and look for food. Interestingly, interestingly, Jesus said, what do you have? What do you have? And I think when this question was asked, because the aim of the Bible study is also to help people discover their local resources. What did God put around you that you can use? to solve your issues, to come out of poverty? That question was asked. And you know, it's easy if you keep receiving help and if you've been there for years in poverty to feel that nothing can be done. We can't do it and our salvation comes from outside. It's easy to be in that state of mind. And people feel we have nothing. But in the story, the facilitator says, but here Jesus is asking for people and they went and found what? Five loaves of bread and two fish. And they brought it to Jesus Christ. So, people are asked, what do you have? And the community members discover, oh, we have lands. Oh, we have some strength. Some of us are a bit sick, but many of us are having good health still. And then, oh, we can maybe use our hands and do a lot of things. And people begin to look inward and discover that together they have something. Maurice was asked, and Maurice said, I've been on drugs, but I don't know for any reason I'm not very sick yet. I'm still having some strength. I can do some things with my hands. And that's probably all I, I can, I, and, I, and I'm still alive. 
and I'm still alive. And the facilitators asked Morris, I want to focus maybe more on Morris because this is one of the fantastic communities where transformation is great. It was amazing. We visited last December. We've got a picture of Morris, right? Should we bring up Morris? Yeah, you can bring, you can bring in uh, the church. Yeah, that's the pastor of the church. You can see that church with some tiles there that looks like uh, a UK church. <laughs> this, is, this, is, this, is, this is a church in a community somewhere in the bush inside Liberia. I can tell you, Bible studies have been going on for the past three, four years, and the, that church got built by the efforts of the community members in the bush without any external support completely. Oh, yeah. nice. Completely. And when you go there, it's really amazing. We visited uh, December, and for the first time, I, am, I've, I saw to, we saw together the village head, the imam who is the head of the Muslim group, the pastor and the community members sitting within the church and planning together how to transform their communities and listening to Bible studies and welcoming us and all saying that we are ready to follow the Bible studies because it's bringing change within our community. That, that brought a lot of encouragement in West Africa where we, we see a lot of attacks going on Take any of the countries, Niger, Mali, uh, Burkina Faso, uh, take, uh, take Nigeria, and mention them. We, we have almost on daily basis attacks that are happening and all of that, which is bringing a lot of insecurity. And people are asking, how do you work in that context where there's such hostility and kind of persecution going on? That was a very, very great encouragement. And here we see... Can we have the next picture, please? That is Morris. Morris, when he was asked what does he have, and he mentioned, he said that he was asking the Bible study, so what do you want to do? He said, in the same way these people gave the five loaves of bread and the fish to Jesus. Me, I have nothing, but I want to give him my life and the little strength I have and let him do whatever he wants with it. Amazingly, the Lord entered his life. Because a few days later, he came jumping and he said, I began to sleep well, and I'm beginning to feel peace in my heart. And I'm no longer inside. I'm beginning to see the terrible life I'm living. Can you pray for me and help me to leave drugs? I want to follow Jesus. I want to follow Jesus, and I want to belong to Jesus. He was coming to church almost every day, chasing the pastor outside of, uh, of, of the Bible studies now because the Bible studies happen maybe once or twice in a week. Now he started chasing the, uh, the pastor and saying, can you tell me more? Because I'm, I'm feeling peace and I'm sleeping. I'm, I'm, I, I, see, I see something new in my life. I want to leave the drugs. I want to be new. And the pastor went into supporting him, praying for him, and a process of what I will say, being born again, had really, really, really started. And now, when you see this young man, if you see him there, very happy. He began now to say, what other things? He said, I have a family. He returned back to his family. He asked the family, what do we have? We have land. He said, I'm going to farm now to be able to get food with my hands to eat. 
He started doing farm, now, uh, farms and he is now having some food. He's learning some uh, um, uh, skills acquisition and doing some income generating activities at the moment. When you see him there, he say, I have clothes, I'm ready and very, very much ready now going back. He went back to his friends that are in, still in the drugs. He earned respect within the community. He's bringing Muslim, the African traditional uh, worshippers, and the few who are even churchgoers and some who are Christians. He is earning a very, very high respect at the moment. And he went back, sitting with this. Two of the people who are in the drug, still uh, taking drug, went and said, we can't believe you are the one. What did you do to be the, what you have become? He said, this is what happened. I have come to invite you guys to the Bible study. Can you come with me? I, I am still ready to come and spend the day with you and talk to you. And, and let's, let's work it out. It can happen to, to all of us. They presented to us a Muslim who is part of the, 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 the drug club who has followed him in the Bible study. And Morris is saying, Jesus had changed me. I'm ready to work with my hands. I'm ready to change my situation. And I'm going to be the evangelist to bring all my friends who are in the drug clubs back to Christ. Yeah. A very Woo! transformed person. And that gave me a lot of encouragement. It's really, it's, it's just happened in December. And I said, God, can you give me more days? Let me, let me run to as many villages as I can. A again, with, uh, with, with the support of uh, uh, you guys, with the support of TA Fund, with what do we have in our hands? There are many communities. Two words that Jesus used, or two expressions. They looks, he looked at the crowd and he saw them as what? As sheep without shepherd. Sheep without shepherd. You know what it means to be a sheep without shepherd. That is a sign of vulnerability. When a sheep is left without a shepherd, anything can happen. Open to danger. A lion can attack, a hyena can attack, it can get lost, it can get oppressed, and so on and so forth. And that is the situation with many communities. And I want to believe Christ is still looking at that, at, at many of the communities in the same way. In the same way, they need shepherd. They need people to guide. And they need people to support. Well, my challenge myself is, oh Lord, here I am. Give me strength. I'm getting called in uh, West Africa the nomadic staff because I keep moving <laughs> with my things from one country to the other. And I say, God, this, you put me where I have, have asked. Let me do that as, as long as I'm alive, run here and there, and let me contribute a little bit to working with the pastors, with the church, with the community, and giving all that I can. This is probably my little. Don't undertake whatever the little you can have, because if I have the time to stay here and speak a little bit about what is happening just through our program of Bible studies in communities, I can give you two, three hours, and I can tell you a little bit of what's happening. Settle in, everyone. In Asia. Now you will throw out this African guy who <laughs> can take hours. So I'm sure I don't want to do that. But just to say that some of you have given something to TF Fund, and probably you are hearing back. I'm happy many of the TF Fund staff are here, which is a lovely church, and it's really 
feeling being at home, I want to repeat what had been said last night. I really feel, feel this is a very, a, a, a very great church with great people. But things are happening there. Maybe we don't report back much. And some of us come once in a while to the UK and not wanting to come now where we are shivering with, <laughs> with the cold. I'm just trying to get back to my, to my hot weather now because it's terrible here for me. But, but that's, 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 that's the, 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 the challenge. We give little. What do we have? It might look like five loaves of bread and a fish, but that given to Jesus with a good heart, only him knows where that is going. And like Gaston, you can pray and say, hey, God, let me take part in this transformation happening. That was my prayer in secondary school. And now I am where God, I have asked God to be, and I'm so happy. Let's give thanks for this great man of God, guys. Um, I, smile, I smile so much where you talk about the things that you were doing and the countries that you were working with, and you describe that as your little. Um, it is an honor to sit here alongside you, Gaston, and, um, and <laughs> to give testament to the cold. I asked Gaston this morning, I said, are you going to be warm enough? He said, yes, and then he counted up the number of layers that he's got on this morning, so to keep him warm. Um, but no, in all seriousness, um, Tear, Fund's, Tear Fund's vision is that we are not done. We are not finished, and God is not finished. Um, we have seen a significant reduction in poverty, but Tear Fund, Tear Fund have a vision. Tear Fund have a vision that within our lifetime we will see an end to poverty in the world. Now, at this point, it is your opportunity to give your little. Um, if you'd like to, if you have a look, there are cards that we put on the chairs beforehand. Um, we'd love for you to just have a look at those. Um, there is another story in there about a lady called Ruth. Um, Ruth is also from West Africa. She is based in Nigeria, in a rural part of Nigeria. And her story, whilst different to Maurice's, is still, is still similar in a way that she struggles to provide for her family on a daily basis. Um, it's really encouraging to hear that God, as we read about, God works with the broken. God takes weak people and turns them around. A drug user and an addict who not only can find God and can turn his life around, but that that's not enough. That's not enough and God uses him to become an evangelist to go out and to bring others to the flock, to provide others a shepherd. I give thanks to you, Gaston, for your time this morning, and I really appreciate the time that you've spent, and I thank you for being here at this cold time of year. Um, Gaston, go oh, sorry, Gaston. Yeah, it's, it's actually my huge opportunity, and I want to probably use this uh, opportunity to thank all of you for praying, for supporting us, supporting you are serving God, but we feel more your commitment and your giving. Because in TFON we are called the front line. <laughs> because we are directly dealing with the issues, meeting with the people, directly seeing the, the issues there. And we feel what how the differences that this is uh, doing. And whenever we have the opportunity, whenever I come, 
we don't usually pass the message much across because we go to the field and beneficiaries are saying, oh, when you go, make sure you give our thanks to people who are praying, who are supporting us. Oh, yes, we say that at TFO office and efforts are being made, but when I have life chance, a life chance like this, I should be saying thank you. Thank you and thank you to all that you are doing. We are partnering. We are partners under Christ. Amen. And I think he is ready to use any of us to make to bring his salvation, his deliverance, mm. and chase away darkness through the light that he's asking us to be, the light of the world, I mean, the light of the world and the salt of the earth. So let me just chip that in because I don't <laughs> want to go back and then meet the people and the, the beneficiaries and say, oh, you've come to the UK, have you said it? And, <laughs> and I had a huge opportunity, I haven't said that, so I wanted to put that you said, you said it in a good number now, so we've got, okay. we've got a number of testimonies saying that you definitely passed that back on. Okay, the, the, the opportunity that we have now is that we will spend a time of prayer. Um, we are going to have some music playing in the background where we can pray over um, the cards that we have. For more information about St. Saviour Sunbury, please visit our website, www.saintsaviorsunbury.org.uk.